Welcome to Maniacally Midwest, a true crime podcast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us in another episode of Maniacally Midwest. This week, Chloe and I are just trying to stay alive, so... We're here for y'all. Everybody's (laughs) sick, but we're like, no, we're not going to skip an episode because then people would be sad. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to do it, so we're here struggling through. I would love to blame my cold on Chloe, but... <laughs> the only way I could have caught it is through um the computer screen or our phones. So yeah. doubtful that that's the situation. But anyways, this week Chloe is going to be presenting and I have zero idea what it's going to be. I'm going to try to make my responses or my reactions seem somewhat cognitive, but at this point no guarantees. We'll see what you get out of me. Everybody hang tight with us. So <laughs> This week, we are headed to St. Cloud, Minnesota, which Ooh. is located in central Minnesota. Uh, it's a relatively large city. It's got a population of about 70,000, and it straddles the Mississippi River, which always blows my mind how long the Mississippi River is, like how many different states it goes through. But it was named after the city of St. Cloud, France, and it's home to St. Cloud University. Um, oh. I didn't know it was named after a place in France, although that makes sense. I feel like in school in Wisconsin, they always teach us that a bunch of the like French like beaver pelters, is that what they were called? That they were inhabiting like Minnesota and like northern Wisconsin. That's it. Yeah, but they would sell the beaver pelts and whatever. Yeah. Tim Erickson, who was 19, and his brother Mark Erickson, who was 18, shared an apartment in St. Cloud uh, where they sheltered several young homeless teens. So I didn't really get any kind of a good read on to like what led up to this. Like where's everybody's parents at? How do you guys afford an apartment? Whatever. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a large venture. I thought you were going to say sheltered homeless dogs. I was like ready to be like, yes, go Erickson brothers. I mean, not that I'm like, no, I don't care about homeless teens. It's honorable both ways. But I mean, I don't know. Anyways, so they're all living together at this apartment, right? And at the time living with them, there was a 13-year-old that was a like runaway from the St. Cloud area. A 17-year-old who had recently moved to St. Cloud from somewhere else in Minnesota and then There were two girls between the ages of 15 and 17, so a whole bunch of them, and as you can imagine- I am a little bit stressed to hear that there are both genders there. I feel like this is a could be a rocky situation. Luckily, there's nothing sexual to do with this that happens. Good. I was kind of nervous. Like, Yes, but sometime around March, we're in 1988, by the way. Ooh, Um, that was a great year. Because I was born. I wasn't there yet, you old bitch. No. <laughs> okay, so sometime around March. Uh, oh my gosh, I was born in March of 88. Were you really? 
Yeah. I thought, I don't know when I thought your birthday was, but I don't know you were a spring baby. How fun. Not really. So right around a lot the of years there's blizzards. Were you born in Minnesota by chance? I was not, although not that far. So actually Northern Wisconsin. And close enough. Uh, so there was, let's see, Tim and Mark and then the teenagers that lived with them, Bill Benedict, and then three other 15-year-old boys. They had evidently talked about forming a vampire cult, as <laughs> one does. Oh, oh God. Uh, apparently Tim became fascinated with the subject after watching a movie about teenage vampires and began asking Benedict about the occult. This is way before Twilight, so these people were just trendsetters. Well, I feel like there was a lot of weird... I feel like the 70s and 80s, it was like weird occult stuff. I feel like really after like Manson and all that shit, people were just into weird stuff. Because I feel like there were a lot of hippies and then that kind of branched off into like the weird like dark side of like hippies and I don't know. I feel like they they were fun about it though. There was like Rocky Horror Pictures to show, which I feel like was like weird, but like in a fun way, in an eccentric way. Eccentric. That's a great way to explain it. Um, These guys were not into the fun eccentric stuff. Okay, good, good. So most of the witnesses say they thought that Tim was like merely joking about forming a vampire cult, right? (laughs) Well, (laughs) on March 21st, 1988, don't tell me that's your birthday. (laughs) Actually, my birthday is three days after that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Donald Gall, who was 30, he was a local homeless man and evidently hung out with all these hooligans. Uh, he arrived at the Erickson's apartment, uh, quote, sloppy drunk is how they explained him. And uh, is there another kind of drunk? I mean, you could be like tipsy or mm. blackout. I'm trying to think of all the ways you can explain being drunk. I feel like sloppy drunk is in between tipsy and blackout, if I had to say in my... I feel like, at least for me, once you get like a sip in me, then... I'm a hot mess. Well, Katie's always drunk. No. (laughs) (laughs) So they all decided to go camping at a nearby park, Riverside Park, and uh, they continued to drink and smoke marijuana through the night. Tim brought a case of beer, some marijuana, and ephedrine, which is an over-the-counter stimulant. I feel like this is a very 80s thing. I don't feel like people are just like walking around with this stuff anymore. Yeah. And then somebody else brought some hot dogs and one of the 15-year-olds that was staying with them brought Tim's fixed blade hunting knife and was heard to mention to Tim something about the first victim. Oh, boy. Yeah. So for a couple hours, the group sat around the campfire near the edge of the frozen river and drank beer, smoked weed, ate hot dogs, talked about women, hunting, drugs, jail, and motorcycles, you know. Really huge. Really huge. And at about 4.30, one of the men left because he was cold and tired. He was just over it. And Gall went to sleep by the fire. So after Gall fell asleep, the four remaining campers went into the woods where Tim suggested that they kill Gall and drink his blood. 
Oh, true vampire cult form. And he told the others that they could wake Gaul and that he would kill him with the knife that the 15-year-old had brought. So mm-hmm. Mark refused to participate in this plan. He's like, listen, you're my brother, but fuck that. Um, I won't stop you, but I won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, cool. I mean, Yeah. So as the group returned to the campfire, Tim pulled out his knife and approached Gaul, but Gaul suddenly awoke. And Tim told him that they would keep the fire going and he should just go back to sleep. Just kind of like brushed it off. Okay. Yeah. This is like, this like gives me such suspense. This makes me feel like it's like a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like I can like hear like the music leading up and then it's like, oh, oh, he's awake. Okay. never mind, guys. Yeah. So the group returned to the woods to revise their plan, and this time Tim told the others that he was going to club Gaul to death while he slept and that the others should kick him. Again, Mark refused to participate and was just like, not like, I'm out, dude. So the group returned to the campfire. Tim ended up clubbing Gaul over the head with a tree branch uh, while the other two kicked Gaul. Tim continued to beat him with the tree branch, and after Gaul lost consciousness... Tim took his knife, pulled Gaul's head into the air, and slit his throat. Oh. Gross. Yeah. Uh, So Gaul bled to death, and Tim and his two accomplices then licked Gaul's blood from their hands. Okay, that's not what vampires do. Like, first of all, it's rude that you killed him and you guys suck. But also, you didn't even buy, like fake fangs or something something more vampire-esque this is like with the dexter killer it's like you guys like the idea was there but the execution just really lacking Uh, my question is i really am like okay fine you said i was a spring baby but Mm -hmm. being born in march doesn't always feel like you were born in spring and you even said the river was frozen yeah. It was pretty wicked cold most years around my birthday time. Occasionally I'll get like 70 degree weather, so it's pretty like bipolar. But in Minnesota, I'm guessing most of the time it is not springtime. So why would you be like, hey, let's sit out by a campfire. This will be fun. No, it really would not. I mean, in my opinion, yeah, I go outside as little as possible. I I agree. Oh, listen, today I'm out and about. It's 40 degrees. I was thinking about wearing sandals outside. I didn't wear a coat yesterday when it was 32. Wow. God bless. Maybe you should move to Minnesota. No, I don't want it worse. (laughs) I just, I have like the blood of a Wisconsinite. Once it hits 40s, it's like, oh my gosh, you should wear some shorts. That's true. So they then removed Gaul's leather jacket and his wristwatch. Uh, They stole his wallet and then emptied his pockets. Uh, when Tim announced we've got to get rid of the body, the three others pushed, or all three of them, because it was just Tim and then the two other guys, because Mark decided not to, uh, pushed the body uh, into the river. So as the sun rose, the group cleaned up the campsite. Tim put his log club into the campfire to burn the evidence. And they took a different route home to avoid any, like, suspicion or, you know, just seeing people that they might know they did however stop at a convenience store to buy cigarettes with money that they had stolen from gall that's so mean and i mean this guy i think you said he was homeless right 
Yeah. So really, it wasn't like they weren't killing him to steal stuff. It was really just to kill a person. Yeah. Not that it's better if you steal stuff, but I'm just saying, like, it's less of a senseless crime. Like, this is just like, let's kill him for his blood. No. Because he doesn't really have that much. It's not an opportunity crime. No. So they go home and Tim told the two girls staying with them that he had killed Gall by beating him with a log and stabbing him with a knife. And that they had then thrown Gall's body into the river. Um, And this is uh, so, like, gross still. And he bragged that he had drank Gall's blood and licked the blood from his hands. Um, Ew. He, I guess, had taken the blood-soaked jacket and other items back to the house because those were ended up trophy. I guess because they, yeah, ended up being exhibited uh, at the trial as like proof of the crime. What did these girls say? The girls, they didn't really get. I didn't see like any reaction. I mean, I think they were not about it, but they weren't the ones that ended up telling on them. What? So that morning, I mean, also to be fair, they were probably like freaked out. I don't know if they ended up just like leaving or what, but that's okay. I mean, I don't know that I'd be like, you're sick. I'm going to tell the cops, but I would definitely be like, oh, shoot, I forgot about this appointment. I have got to go. And then definitely rat them out immediately. (laughs) So that morning, Mark, the brother also described the killing to benedict uh which was another one of the roommates and that evening tim also told benedict about the murder saying that gall's death was really not that big of a deal which i think again is super sad at about 4 a.m on march 24th so we're a couple days after is that your birthday yeah (laughs) okay yeah So Benedict evidently got drunk and had this on his conscience because he (laughs) wandered into the St. Cloud Law Enforcement Center and reported the murder. No, what really happened is I was born. He heard about this beautiful baby and he was like, this angel baby spoke to me and told me to confess. He had to clear his conscience. It was all because of Katie. Katie literally solved this crime. (laughs) Thank you for your public service. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh my God. Okay. So then they went, they discovered Gaul's body floating in the river, a short distance downstream from the campsite. And shortly thereafter, Tim was arrested at the St. Cloud bus terminal. So I think he knew enough at that point that he was trying to, like, get away. Yeah, he's trying to dip out. And evidently, I mean, unlike his comments, maybe this was a bigger deal than he had perhaps thought. Well, um, I mean, his his giving a crap about it is different than whether or not he believes that he's going to be thrown in jail or... That's true. Yeah. So Tim was taken to uh, an interrogation room at the law enforcement center. They advised him of his Miranda rights. Thank God, because they don't always do that. (sighs) (laughs) And Tim initially denied any involvement in the murder. But after tests showed the presence of blood on his jacket and boots, he began to cry and confess to the murder. Mm, Funny how that works. The second they're like, but really, we know you did it. Oh. Changed my mind. Uh, 
So the initial confession was not recorded, but he immediately repeated his confession to a police stenographer. Uh, So at first he tried to defend himself at trial that he was intoxicated, okay? And that it had rendered him incapable of forming an intention to murder. So he was trying to say, yeah. And the jury was like, nah. So they found him guilty of murder in the first degree, which, as we discussed uh, with one of these last ones, was um, having, like, premeditation involved. So it was planned. Then he went again and appealed, like, immediately. And what do you think he tried to plead this time? Uh, Insanity. Oh, yeah. So he claimed that mental illness had rendered him incapable of knowing the nature of his act or that it was wrong. (sighs) And the jury was like, nah, dude, and continued with the guilty verdict. So he was sentenced to life in prison. He then appealed the life sentence decision again uh, in 1989, and the Minnesota Supreme Court rejected all of his claims. They basically said they were not going for the intoxication. They were not going for the mental illness. And on top of that, he had also tried to say that his confession was coerced. And oh, God. they also didn't go for that. In 2007. Oh, man. But that has to be his final appeal. Because if he went to Minnesota Supreme Court, you don't have anything other than the federal Supreme Court, right? Yeah, I think that that's how it goes. I'm not sure how he got this appeal in 2007, but he tried to appeal again and was once again denied. So he is currently 53 years old and serving out his sentence at the Fairbolt Correctional Facility in Fairbolt, Minnesota. And I looked up, you know, we'll put pictures up of him online, but he still looks like just a straight up weirdo, like his mugshot. <laughs> I don't know. He What happened to the other two guys? They ended up um, interrogating Mark. I don't think he had any charges, but I couldn't find the charges for the other two. It was super weird. I had to dig through a lot of, um, like, old, like, a lot of this stuff was all the old court paperwork, like, yeah. literally in the 80s. Because I had never heard of this. Um, they called it the St. Cloud Vampire Murders. And it was, like, really sensationalized by the press at that time because, obviously, you know. What did the other two do in the killing? So the other two, you know, like kicked him. Remember, they were kind of like Yeah, but they didn't hit him with the branch, right? And they didn't cut his throat. That was all Tim, right? That was all Tim. And they did help push him into the river. So I would imagine that they So they probably weren't on trial for murder. It was like he was the murderer, but they would have had like accomplice after the fact or- yeah. Assault or something? Mm-hmm. Well, hold on. Uh, I don't know if I'm just zoning because I'm brain dead right now. Did they all lick the blood or just the one big weirdo? I think that they all did. Okay. I just, here's my take on it. I don't understand. I think I can understand and relate more to like cannibals than this vampire thing. 
<laughs> because uh, like, okay, you, I have never eaten human meat, right? I don't know what it tastes like. Maybe right. if I'm like really into like steaks, I'm like, let's see what I've tried like bison. I've tried giraffe or like whatever, like exotic meats, but I've never tried human. So I think that I should try that. But like, who hasn't tasted blood? You've lost like a tooth in your life. Yeah. You've like bit your lip or whatever. I don't think I've met a person that's like, this tastes really delicious. No, it makes I would like to have a nice glass of blood. No, no, so. definitely not. I guess in that aspect, I got to side cannibalism with you as well. So if anybody wondered. I mean, okay, please don't spot. send me a message that's like you're a sociopath. I'm just saying when I think about it logically, I can understand why a person, uh, let me rephrase that, why a person would consider trying cannibalism. I feel like after the first time and maybe, you know, okay. Maybe it's more like a person who willingly wants to donate like a butt steak or something. I don't know. I don't mean killing a person for their meat. No. Uh, no. But if you want to donate your butt to science, you know. Well, not science, like to a barbecue or whatever. Well, you know, like a, you in a nice way. Yeah. But I could understand that more being perplexed and intrigued. No, I agree. I don't understand it. I think that a lot of these like teenage cases really throw me off. I mean, I know when I was a teenager, I was weird and my thought <laughs> process was all over the place. But I think it's really, really strange, especially from an adult perspective, to see the thought process of these like malicious teenagers. And it's really sad. I mean, it's not nearly as thought through I feel like as a lot of the adults you know what I mean it's very short-sighted and unfortunate okay so out of pure curiosity because I'm like if this crime happened in like the late 2000s or early 2010s 2010 yeah. I don't know how you say that I would be like oh okay these weirdos were super into like vampire diaries and like uh twilight right yeah but I don't know, obviously, since I was just born in that year, I'm not super familiar with the 80s vampire movies. So there is The Lost Boys. And um, what is the guy? Who's the guy on 24? Oh, Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah, looks like he's in that movie. Wasn't there um, like interview with a vampire or whatever with Brad Pitt? But I think that was later because Kirsten Dunst was in that movie. What? Um, no. Not as an adult. She was a kid in it, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but The Lost Boys is about a vampire gang, and that came out in 87. Uh, oh, there's yeah. also Nicolas Cage had a movie called Vampire Kiss in 88. <laughs> yeah, Beverly Hills Vamp in 1988. A Polish Vampire in Burbank was in 83. That sounds like the one that set it off. <laughs> See, I would guess that the Lost Boys is probably the one that set this whole thing off. A vampire gang in 87. That sounds like, you know, they probably considered themselves kind of like Lost Boys because they were just out here living on their own in their little apartment. Isn't that like so mean that you, not that it would be less mean if you didn't find a person within your demographic, but isn't that like so mean that you were homeless now you kind of have a place and you target your own 
like people who have the same kind of struggles, like as opposed to being like, ah, oh, we're going to find some like rich jerk and like go after them. Like, no, I agree. I think, you know, once again, just kind of circling back, just the short sightedness of everything with these teen murders. It is, it is really, really sad. How old was Tim when he was doing this? I don't remember the 19. age. Oh, dude. I know. That makes me feel bad. Anyways, that was my crime for the week. The vampire murder of St. Cloud. Well, I enjoyed it. Well, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like that. (laughs) I don't. There were no dogs harmed this week, so you're welcome. I appreciate it. But like I told you, I've been watching a lot of neighbor attacks, and there are so many. (laughs) <laughs> and my husband laughs at me every time that I'm like, oh, no, why? But, I mean, whatever. So anyways, I'm not stable. I'm not well. <laughs> that's no. that's it, the message of this. And that's why we have to leave those cases out of contention at this point. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Thanks for bearing with us through our sickness. Um If you have a chance, head over to our Instagram, check out photos of everybody involved in all of the cases. Uh, We're on TikTok. Everything is under at Maniacally Midwest. And then feel free to leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That really helps us rank higher and helps people find us. And I'm sorry, guys, if you're checking out Instagram and wondering where pictures are. I'm a little bit backlogged because I haven't been feeling well. Um, but I will update the meet the players stuff so you guys can see the people involved in the crimes and the victims and the perpetrators and stuff. But it's just been hectic. And the number one focus has been getting content out as opposed to uploading pictures to Instagram. But I'll get it all caught up eventually. But thank you guys so much for your support and your positive feedback. We love doing this for you. That's why we both sound like garbage and are still here because we love you guys. Yes. All right. See you in a few days. Bye. Bye.